Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. I want to invite you to go to Matthew. Today we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to pick it up at verse 16. So if you have your Bibles nearby or your phones, devices, uh, again, we will likely show it here on the screen for you. Before I go to that text, uh, I don't know how many of you have ever had the privilege of being down in Florida to Disney World. Back a number of years ago, there was a ride that, you know, you had to go on. I don't know if it's still there. I haven't been there for years. But the, the ride was a small boat ride. And when you waited in the, the hour-long lineup to get on that little boat ride, a song played over and over. And again, I, I think there was no other song just that one song, and it was, It's a Small World After All. Now, if you were there, you know that that song just didn't play for the hour leading up and during the boat ride. It played in your head for months after you left Disney World. It's a small world after all. I want to suggest God has something, though, much bigger than what has happened to you at this very point in time in life. We pick up Jesus's parting words, and that's the title today, the parting words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Let's read it. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, if you've been a churchgoer for some time, you will know that this scripture verse comes up all the time. Uh, Why do pastors keep bringing this verse up all the time? Well, I want to suggest one of the big reasons is they were the last words Jesus was saying to his disciples. I mean, he just lays it out as he is about to depart from them. This is a really important text that really helps us to determine the trajectory of the rest of our lives. I want you to see this part. It says, they worshiped and some doubted. Now, we're not talking a crowd of, you know, 70, 100, 200 people. It says 11 disciples. Out of 11 disciples, they traveled with them for three years. Some still doubted. Uh, Come on, guys. You still doubt? What's going on here? I think what we're talking of here is they doubted that they could do it. They just really doubted they could do it. I don't know. Do you struggle with that? (laughs) I do. And I'm a pastor. I struggle with feeling confident in being able to make a difference. When, when Jesus gives these words, I, I, there's times I still doubt God. Why me? But you look at this. It says some worshiped him and some doubted. And Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Listen, what he's saying, he says, remember Jesus came from heaven to the earth, became man, took on flesh. And he carried our sins to death 
on our behalf and buried them so that you and I might have life. We now have direct access back to our heavenly father. That is what he's saying. He said, all authority, all authority, heaven on earth, everywhere in the cosmos, all authority has been given to him. And then here's, I now delegate it to you, to the 11. But here's the good news. It wasn't just to the 11. It was to every man, woman, teenager, and child who would ever follow Jesus. He says, I'm giving you, I'm delegating what I have, the authority I now grant to you. And then he says, therefore, because of what he just said, therefore, quit doubting, <laughs> quit feeling inferior, quit shying away. Go, he says, make disciples of all nations, immersing them, the word baptize, immersing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then I like this. Surely. He says, remember this, guys. He says, this is a certainty. I am always with you. Right to the end. And now here's the, credit, the funny part here. And then Jesus shortly thereafter goes and goes into heaven. I can well imagine when the disciples saw him go into heaven, they're going, I thought you said you were going to be with us forever. Well, he was, because we know the day of Pentecost would come. And that is, of course, we're celebrating today as the day of Pentecost around the world. But we're also recognizing the Feast of Pentecost. On the Feast of Pentecost, the, we're together. We read of it in Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3. They were together, and the Holy Spirit, and this is what he said, I am with you always, breathed on them empowered them, emboldened them to do what they needed to do. And can I just encourage you? I'm not going there with my message today, but we need the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. He will do more for us than anything else. You can go to training, go to seminars, go to conferences, go to church every Sunday. Holy Spirit. We need Holy Spirit, don't we? We need him. I know he made the revolutionary change in my life when I was 19 years old, when he breathed on me and filled me with his spirit. And then I could really do what he asked me to do. Those were the parting words of Jesus. So it comes down to, why am I here? I came across a survey that tells 90%, 90, 90% of Christians never fully tell someone else about Jesus. 90%, 90% percent. Now, you might not be surprised. You're going, yay, well, that's me. 90%. Because we're kind of in that doubting category, aren't we? Some are worshiping and going on, and we're kind of going, you know, yeah, that's for the pastors, and there's some really bold people, but not me. I'm not like that. I'm just an ordinary person. There is a great, I think, uneasiness in the hearts of so many of us and so today, if Jesus gave these as parting words, I don't think we can just quickly dismiss these. I don't know if you ever saw the Spider-Man movie. Some of you, the first one back in the 70s, Peter Parker. The first Spider-Man movie, the young man, Peter Parker, bitten by the radioactive spider. Ew. And now he's discovered he has abilities that others don't have. 
And he makes an interesting statement. I want to read to you the statement. Here's his statement. For me, to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. For me, to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. I want to suggest for each one of us, followers of Christ, because we have been bitten by the Spirit, for you to live an ordinary life, for me to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. I came to that awareness when I was an older teenager and prepared to take over my father's business. And I could have done that and fulfilled God's commission, but I realized I had to do something else. For me to live an ordinary life was not an option, not at that point. I don't think it is for any. So why am I here? Well, Jude, verse 22, there's only one chapter in Jude. Jude 1, 22 says, be merciful to those who doubt. Well, that was kind of like the 11. Be merciful to those who doubt. Okay, but verse 23, but listen, snatch others from the fire and save them. That was a call to all of us. Snatch them from the fire and save them. I want to suggest we're here to rescue people. I'm here to rescue people. You're here to rescue people. We are rescuers. We've been called to rescue. A few years back, Lori and I were in the Maritimes. Beautiful. If you've ever had a chance, if you uh, wherever, if you if you grew up there, if you lived there, if you visited there, beautiful. We were visiting in the Maritimes, and we were at the sea along the rocks, and we were watching a helicopter training exercise. And what they were doing is they were they had dropped somebody into the water. They dropped some of their own into the water. And, you know, it was a raging sea, and the helicopter was fairly low, and then it had a few ropes dropped, and there was guys shimmying down the ropes to rescue those in the, in the sea. Now, it was just a training exercise. But we watched it. It was fascinating to watch this thing. They were just, you know, uh, maybe about a quarter kilometer offshore, and we were just able to, to stand there and watch all this. And I was thinking, you know, for that person, if it was real, that person in the water, there's one chance to rescue them. I mean, there's no option B, option C, option. There's, it's them. And those rescuers know that. They know they've got a job. It's life and death, but they're facing. May that be something that maybe just stirs our heart because those around us, they don't have maybe a lot of options in this life. And you and I, we're the people in my sphere. I might be their only option. Therefore, that's why Jesus said, you, you make disciples. You snatch them. You save them. You reach out to them. I heard a story back a little while ago. One of the victims from the North Tower of 9-11, the Twin Towers in New York City, on that tragic day, one of the victims was testifying later, sharing a bit of the, what happened as they were one of the ones who came down the stairs. And they said this, and it stood out in my mind. They were coming down minutes before the tower would collapse. They were coming down the stairs, but they said they looked at, into the eyes of the firefighters who were going up the stairs. They looked into the eyes of the firefighters going up. The firefighting, firefighters going up were not going up to escape. They were going up to rescue, and they knew it was going to cost them 
everything. We've been called to do that. We're not here just to escape this world, to get into heaven. That will come. But while we're here, that's the parting words of Jesus. While you're here, you've got to rescue people. And so don't try to escape. Let's finish the job assigned. When we were on that trip out to the Maritimes, we visited the Museum of Natural History, downtown Halifax. Portion of the museum is dedicated to the history of the sinking of the great Titanic ship. Pictures of gravestone after gravestone mark that day where over a thousand people went to the icy waters of death off the coast of Newfoundland. One of the survivors was retelling a story of floating in one of the life vessels. The Titanic had sunk. It was black outside, clear night. The waters were calm. They said the waters were so calm and all they could hear was the crying of people, help me, in the water. And then 40 minutes later, hypothermia had taken over. They would die their death. The next morning, the sun was up. Ship had come to rescue. But what was shocking was how many, not only the bodies that were in the water, the ones who had been crying, help, but the lifeboats were only half full. Half full. Now, come on, if you were in the lifeboat, wouldn't you have done anything to reach over and fill the boat to its absolute capacity? Save some of them. The tragedy was they were just trying to escape. Instead of rescuing those, they could have saved just maybe one more life. I see all that, and I use these illustrations because this is the heart of the gospel, the good news. This is the heart of what Jesus has imparted to me and you. It's to be rescuers. We are called together to rescue. We're doing a series, Doing Life Together, but we got to just really got to pin this one. Doing life together means I'm, I'm a part of a rescue mission. There's people I need to reach out to in the name of Jesus. So here's the big ask. Do I care for the people who are still in the water? As Jude says, you need to, you need to snatch them. Do I care? And I think most of us do. I don't, probably not one of us watching here today would say, I don't care. We do care. I think maybe the bigger question is we don't really think we can do a whole lot about it. I think that's probably the reality, is it not? A couple of things here. I think something happens when you see people the way God sees them, gives you a heart of compassion. And sometimes I have to pray, God, break my heart with what breaks yours. But I think secondly, something happens when you see you as God sees you. When we see ourselves the way God sees us, and I really want to just spend the last couple of minutes talking about this, seeing you the way God sees you. Yeah, we care for the lost, but do you realize how God is looking at you? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, it says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, an ambassador means they represent the high authority. That means you represent the authority in your business. You, you are the hands, you are the mouth, you are the face. You are full representation of whatever authority 
If you represent our government, then you are the authority in that country. You're an ambassador. You carry full weight of authority. And he says here, we are Christ, Jesus, ambassadors. And he is appealing to others through us. I like what I heard someone say one time in church. They were asked, what do you do for a living? And they said, listen to this. And they said, I'm a disciple of Christ Jesus, but I'm cleverly disguised as a machine operator. I like that, don't you? I'm a disciple of Christ Jesus, but I'm cleverly disguised as a machine operator. They get it. They get it. They're a machine operator, but they know that life is not about being a machine operator. They're a disciple of Jesus, sharing him to others. I mean, who else can better reach a lost machine operator than a machine operator who serves Jesus? Who better to reach a lost teacher than another teacher? They'll listen to another teacher. Who better to reach a lost student than another student? They'll listen to a student. You see, we tend to listen to our own kind. And so wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you are in life, and if you're retired, same deal. The people around you, you are not just, you're cleverly disguised as a retired person. You're cleverly disguised as one who goes to the golf course or one who, you know, is working in that backyard. You're cleverly disguised, but really you're a disciple of Christ. I like it. I like it. You know, we say, well, I'm just ordinary, but being ordinary is exactly what qualifies you for this job. It's exactly what you need. Second thing I want to share here is you are divinely positioned where you are by God for a reason. Divinely positioned. My life really matters because I'm exactly where I need to be. You're exactly where you need to be to rescue someone. What greater difference can you make than to see someone go to heaven? I mean, really. We can, you know, we can play sports with them. We can have dinner with them. We can talk over the fence with them. We can be on the phone. We can do life with them. But if life stops here on this earth, it'll be a little shallow, won't it? That we can actually do life for eternity. That heaven is done together. We're here to be a part of that. Ron Hutchcraft, author, speaker, tells a story where he was at a beach party. And it was at night, and things were going on. There's a party going on inside, and they could hear a woman faintly yelling, help me, help me, help me. It was coming from the beach, from the water side. And by the time they made their way out of the beach house and, and down the different stairs and across the, the, where the weeds are, made their way out, uh, there was a lady laying who had been rescued from the waters a lay, laying there and she was just getting her breath back and another lady, you know, standing beside her who had rescued her. And Ron noticed the, the, the lady who had gone in and rescued the other one, her shoes were on the, on the shore, her jacket was on the shore and she was talking and she was saying, she's saying, I hate the water at night. <laughs> I hate the water. I, I can agree with that. The water is spooky at night. You know, the waves crashing in and it's just black out there. But she said, I had to do something. There was a voice out there saying, help me. I had to do something, kicked off her shoes, took off her coat, and went in. I had to do something. I couldn't stand here waiting for people to come. She didn't have time. I had to do something. Oh, doesn't that grab your heart? 
can't always wait for someone else. That lady that was alive can credit her life for someone who wasn't willing to just sit by. So I'm here to save lives. You're here to save lives. That's Jesus' parting words. We're here to rescue people. So how do I do this? I'm going to close with these five things. I'm going to go through them quickly. Number one, five ways anyone, you and I, anyone, teenagers, you, kids, if you're watching, you, anyone can communicate Jesus. And I'm going to start by show and tell. Show and tell. Do you remember when you were in school? Did you ever have a show and tell? You know, it's, it's the show and tell. Now, if you had a show and tell, let's say it was a hamster. You had a hamster. And you, it was your turn for the show and tell. The teacher has you go up to the front of the classroom. You go up to the front of the classroom, and you get your tablet, and you begin to read all about your hamster. Your hamster likes this food. Your hamster sleeps at this time. Your hamster is this big. Your hamster does this and does that and does this. And when you're done, you go and sit down. Now, will the teacher give you a good mark? Well, no, because you were incomplete. It's called show and tell, not just tell. And so your teacher would probably tell you, hey, you need to go home and bring your hamster in. Well, let's say you did that. Let's say all you did was bring your hamster and bring it in the cage, have the hamster stand at the front of the classroom, show everybody the hamster and sit back down. Would you get a good mark? No, it's called show and tell, <laughs> okay? You have to show and tell. Okay, I know I'm elaborating on this, but here's the reason, because I've heard this so many times, folks saying, I'll just live my life for Jesus. I'll just live my life. And I'm thinking, so, so if someone watches you for a few minutes, they're going to be convicted that Jesus died for their sins by watching you? They're not going to figure that out. You have to show and tell. They have to go together. Show the difference Jesus makes. Tell them what Jesus has done. We're credentialed to do that. So let me just break it down. Show them the difference that they will respect. Sometimes, you know, sometimes the difference that we talk about is the things we don't get to do as a Christian. Well, I don't get to do that, and I can't do this. You think anybody's going to really want to follow Jesus if they got that kind of a list going on? Talk about what Christ has granted, because he has given so much. So uh, maybe, for instance, if you work in a place where people are, you know, backstabbers, but you refuse to be a backstabber, you are the kind of person who constantly builds others up, refuse to speak negatively, you lift them up, you speak positive, that stands out. You're showing them the mercy, compassion of Jesus. But then the second part is important. Tell them the hope. Tell them the story. We spent more time about this last week. I'm not going to reiterate, but you are a witness. Witness for the things he has, you have seen and you have heard. Be a witness to that. And a witness doesn't have to convince. A witness simply tells their stories. You demonstrate it through being different, but then we share what Christ has done. Next, tell them your hope. Tell them your hope story. Your story is the difference that Jesus has made in your life. It's hard to argue with your story. It's really important. Tell the story. Number four, pray with them and then pray for them. 
you know, sometimes we simply say with people, I hear it often, you know, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. And we go on. Can I encourage you here? I'm serious about this. Take a moment and as many opportunities as possible to pray with. When there's a situation and, you know, something's not going well, whatever the situation, just say, hey, would you be okay if I just take a couple seconds? Can I pray with you about that? Now, when I've done that, I don't know, I'm going to guess nine out of 10 times, they'll say yes. I've had them say no. But even if they say no, you just say, oh, that's okay. That's really okay. You just demonstrate your care, demonstrate your compassion. And then you privately, you just hold them up in prayer. That's okay, because that creates an opportunity for another conversation in another day. But most will say, yeah, yeah, because they may not agree. They may not even think of, there's a God out there. They may never have heard someone pray for them before. Never underestimate the power of prayer, especially with the person. They might be standing and looking at you the whole time you're praying. You know, you don't have to get down on your knees. You, don't, you can just, and make it short, make it simple, make it to the point, and don't make grander promises that if you can't keep them, don't expect God to have to keep them on your behalf, but pray according to God's will. You know, many times that happens something does happen in their life. Oftentimes, there's been a change because God has intervened in that situation. So that's the point. Pray, not just for them, pray with them. Take an opportunity. Just pray with. And then pray for. And I'm just going to mention three open prayers. And I, I take this from Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. It says, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. First of all, did you note that part? Pray for an open door. That means a natural opportunity. So God, give me a natural opportunity. Give me an opportunity maybe in the events of the day or an opportunity in uh, regarding sports. Hey, we're into the playoffs. People want to talk about that kind of stuff now. You might put on, a, when the Raptors were in the championship back a couple of years ago, I got the hat and walked around. That opened up conversation. When the Blue Jays were, they're playing pretty good these days too, but when they were playing good, wear the Blue Jay hat, opens up conversations. You might get a Maple Leaf hat. I gave my son one. Maple, it opens up some, yeah, you want to talk about the Leafs and maybe pray about them too while you're at it, but, but it opens up opportunity to do more than just be another person existing, Cole, on, on, alongside of other people. Pray for natural opportunities. When I pray for natural opportunities, two things happen, I find. Number one, natural opportunities come. Number two, I'm ready for it. I'm actually looking for them. I expect every day a natural opportunity. Secondly, pray to open their hearts. Pray God would, would make their hearts tender to receive. You know, sometimes we're so angry, we're so driven, we're so whatever it is, the hearts aren't open. Pray that that green apple turns red. Open their heart, Lord. Make them receptive. Make them interested and ready. Lori and I yesterday, and we're feeling it in our body, oh my goodness, we were out, we were, we were preparing a walkway along the side of our house, and we have a bunch of flat stones, and we were pulling them up and, and moving them around and making them secure. And then we put topsoil down, and then we put grass seed in there. And, and, uh, and of course, our bodies aren't used to being bent in those positions long. So we're feeling it today. 
but that's not really what I want to say. Point is, is we, we watered it. Now, it'd be silly for me to go back today and expect to take the lawnmower over and cut the grass. Um, no, it's going to take a lot of work. It had to take a lot of work just to get the seeds on top. We had to work it down. I had the shovel out. I was working underneath. And then we had to prepare it. We had to then put topsoil on top. We had to prepare the topsoil so it could receive the seeds and then the seeds on top of that. And now we have to continue to water and prepare the seeds and for them to grow up. And oh, my goodness, it's a lot of work. It's making me tired just talking to you about it. But you can't expect the harvest in the same day. Every step is important. And I don't always, one of the privileges I have as a pastor is I, I am thankful. I get to see people who make the decision to follow Jesus. They pray the sinner's prayer. But I'm content to be the person who just started to prepare the ground for someone because that's so important. Somebody else will see the harvest. Someone else will actually get to pluck them. I'm content to be one who is, who is just stimulating their faith, maybe answering questions, maybe working through their anger issues, maybe offering them forgiveness on behalf of someone else. Great, because all of that it's the preparation for the harvest. And I need to rejoice in that. Prepare an open heart. I pray for that. And then this is, this is, okay, it's not enough until we get to number three. Pray to open my mouth. I do actually have to say something. Let's not be that 90% that never gets When's there. it going to happen? Pray, oh Lord, would you give me the words, the approach, the courage to say something and to speak. Jesus would say, follow me, follow me, make disciples. Our mission is to take those near to us and to lead them to Jesus. So I want to come back to Peter Parker, those words. I never thought I'd quote Peter Parker. I come back to Peter Parker and quote the words, for me to live an ordinary life is no longer an option. And it's not for you either. We're going to go to a video clip. And on this video clip, it's called The Unspoken Plea. Listen to this woman on the park bench as she pleads for you to care enough to do this. Let's watch this. I'll come back in just a moment after we see it. When's, When's it going to happen? happen? Here, Here I am. There you are. Here I am, desperate for love, for truth. What are you going to do when you leave this building? Are you going to share with me what you've been learning here today? Or are you just going to bottle it up and pull it out next week for your friends? Now, when I say share, I'm not talking about every tactic you've used on me in the past, like judging my every move, telling me I'm a bad person, pointing fingers, giving me disgusting looks. And my favorite is when you tell me that I'm lost. I don't even know what that means to be lost. Do you really think judging me is going to make me change? Would it make you change? Now, I, I know I'm a bad person. I've, I've done bad things. But I don't need you to tell me that. What I need is for you to pick me up when I fall down. To be there when I'm broken. Yes, there's, there's something missing in me. There's a void in my heart that I don't know how to fill. You have it. You have that thing that makes you whole. You know that person that I need to know. 
So I'm watching your every move. I'm watching where you go and what you say and do. Because I'm desperate for something real. I need something genuine to know that there's something more here than this. I mean, this, this can't be it, really. And I think you know that. Listen to me. I need you. I need you to be here for me. I need you to walk out right now, ready and willing to do whatever it takes. Hey, it may not be comfortable. It may not be easy. But I need you to show me love. No matter the cost, show me what unconditional love really looks like. Stop telling me about this God of yours and show me who he really is. Honestly, I'll probably resist you. I'll probably argue with you and laugh at you. I'll, you know, even when you fall, I'll probably call you a hypocrite. But don't give up on me. Please don't give up on me. So I'm going to ask you, when's it going to happen? We're going to be going to our breakout rooms in just a moment. I want to pray before we do. I want to pray maybe if you happen to be one of those who are watching today and you have not made that decision for your life to follow Jesus, that you would do that now. Don't put it off for another time, that you would make that decision now. And so if I know others, many of you, maybe all of you have, have made that decision to follow Jesus, but in case anybody who's watching today or will watch, maybe this is, again, this is recorded, it will be seen you know, later on, can we just pray, and those of you who are followers of Jesus, just pray if there's, that someone will see this and open their hearts to Jesus. And if you're, if you're watching maybe and you're stirred in your heart, why don't you make this your prayer? Father in heaven, I ask you to come into my life. I recognize I need to change. I need you. I need your ability to wash me clean and forgive me of my sins. I need a savior. I need the rescuing. I need to know that my sins will not doom me forever, but that there is a heaven and I can call on your name and you do rescue and you save and you fill with your spirit. So today I ask you, would you come into my life, change my heart, and may your presence be manifest in my life today as I submit my life to your Lordship Jesus. From this day forward, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.